All right. Well, welcome to the Sexual Eight podcast. I am so excited to be with each of you. And uh, we're going to be looking at not just the type, but also the instinct. And what happens when the type and the instinct interact, uh, we have this thing that's sometimes called a subtype. And so we're going to take a look at the lens of the eight and the features, the particular features of the eight, and how that expresses itself. And this is what's really fun about this is we're looking at all three different eights. We're looking at the self-preservational eight, the social eight, the sexual eight, and we're going to see how in each case, when the type presents itself in that sphere, in that context, through that instinct, it changes. And that's what's really fascinating about this. And so I'm really excited to be with you today and begin looking at the different features of the sexual energy, which is risk, taking the ability to push the envelope, to move things forward, to fusion, that deep connection with another person or a bunch of other individuals, and then also the ability to broadcast, to put yourself out there to kind of, you know, read what's happening around you energetically and put yourself out there to hope to make a connection. So these are all sort of the features of the instincts and um, let's dive in. So the first question for you panelists, you sexual eights, is how does your need to be strong show up through the sexual instinct? I can give an example. So it's interesting to see my like need to be strong show up through the sexual instinct in particular, or just recognizing the correlation between the two because evolutionary energy, the broadcasting and the immersion all like play a role in different realms in my need to be strong. And with broadcasting there's kind of a duality where I really like want people to know that I can like handle it in a way. And this also plays in with immersion and fusion because the eight need to like beat the ground for snakes and find all the things that could be wrong or all the like secrets or whatever kind of expresses itself with immersion and fusion because I always think that there's a deeper story than what I'm hearing or what people are telling me. Um, So I dive in deep because I like, I want to go deep and I want people to know that like I can handle their story, whatever it may be. And so I can like fuse with them and I can be the strong one that like it wasn't too much for or something. And a funny story with that is that I used to work in live events and very frequently road crews or like co-workers or stagehands or just crew members would come up to me during like smoke breaks or whatever. And we would stand outside and they'd tell me their entire life story. And at the end of that, like I could even see in their eyes that they were like, how did I get here? <laughs> like, how? why did I just tell you all of this? But I feel like it's part of that broadcasting energy. And I love to fuse with people that it it isn't conscious. It's just a like, hey... I want to go deep. I want to be strong like for you and empower you. And that just like draws out a lot of details about people's lives. So people have opened up about their history with addiction and then homelessness and then addiction again and like how they're trying to get out of that still. And I'm just like, cool. I don't know how we ended up here, but I'm here for it, buddy. <laughs> let's let's talk about this. So mm. yeah. yeah, you're describing really well that sort of, uh, what happens with the sexual energy is its attention is so focused that it causes other people to believe you're deeply interested in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the time, the sexual energy coming through the type, that's, that's, that is true. There's a deep interest in the lives of other people. So, yeah, that's a good, that's a good illustration of that. Yeah, I, you saying that, I had thought of this recently as I was going through this question, um, that when I was younger, probably around 11 or 12, I was sitting at a dining room table with a parent and we were talking and I was with my friend that I was supposed to have this for the night with. I was with the parent and she was telling me all of these deep things about her. And, you know, she's probably in her thirties, maybe twenties. I don't know. For a kid, they look older. And I just remember thinking how did she start sharing this with me? And why am I not getting up from this table playing with my friends? I'm like innately listening to this woman 
tell me some very deep things. And I'm fine with them. They weren't anything inappropriate. But it was something that I was, well, how did we end up here? And, (laughs) you know, my energy was telling her, I can say these things because she was working through some spiritual things for her in my energy, plus my, um, who my family was to her. She felt that she could tell me these things and I carried them. It was nothing for me to walk away. I did not feel scarred. I don't to this day, but that's kind of that energy, that broadcasting. And I did not realize that back then. I just remember being perplexed by it, but also unbothered at the same time. But for me, how my strength shows up with my sexual energy is deeply within my job. I work with uh, moderate to severe students with different abilities. They're differently abled. And a lot of them are nonverbal. And I find myself deeply, I can handle what they need. They cannot speak for themselves, but I can help them deeply get there. And I believe it fully. And a lot of times we don't, but a lot of times we do. But I also feel that energy of being able to do that rev up inside of me that I don't calm. I get more excited. Let's go deeper. Let's let's try harder. Let's push even further. Let's go to the next boundary and the next over. So that's probably the deepest place I see it. Yes, I'm picking up on a couple elements. One is that you're able to go deep with the kids. You're able to go deep with, you know, with relationships at work. And also that there's the risk piece where you're able to move things forward. Like if there's a stuck point, you're not afraid to take some risks and to see what will work. Yeah. I have to tell um, my coworkers, my paras all the time, I am not scared of us failing. While they are looking at me like we're going up the roller coaster and they have their wide eyed. I'm like, I am not scared of the what we're about to go through. Recently, we got a kid that uh, his name is everything that he is, and he is chaos in a five-year-old package. And I remember telling them about this kid, and they are all wide-eyed. And I'm like, and I am so excited about what is about to come. And then I had to tell them, hunker in, I guess, but he's going to be all these things. But I was so ready to jump and take that risk with this kid that let's do it. Let's go. Part of his name has pain in it. And I was like, bring it on. (laughs) Yeah. What about you, Israel? How does the strength uh, show up through the sexual instinct? So I'll preface this by saying I came in real close to a social I want to channel it, like change the world. That's who I've always been. So the sexual for me is a surprise of a bit after I took your test. And so I've been kind of digesting your prior instincts episode. And I definitely see it. So what Sarah said clicks in terms of like the performing arts. I I started a uh, comedy show, which I'm not funny, but I love humor. So I just started from nothing in a new town that I had taken a job in at 25 and recruited all these cast members from the local college where I'd never been in my life. And I had to be like this single promoter, producer, director, people can find personal problems in me. And I just adored this. The whole thing was very much me. So I think I relate to both of your stories in that I'm really happy to take on you're not too much for me, kind of that feeling. There's almost nobody who's ever been too much for me. There was this day where one of my cast members, like six, probably six months into the series of performances we had scheduled, called me up and said, I'm trying to do what you're doing with a different group. And there's this person who's a troublemaker. And I don't know what to do. I'm so frustrated. And I said, oh, we have a lot of troublemakers on our team. They're all volunteers. Channel him toward your end goal and make sure he's fulfilled enough that he won't even notice you're using him for an end goal. And that like kind of capsulated. She was like, how the hell did you figure that out? I was like, well, that's normal, right? You knew that. Like to me, I thought everybody can take a one-on-one relationship and help that person get enough, even when they're difficult 
to send them toward the end goal of the group. And that's, I think it dovetails with everybody else's explanation that you're not too much for me. I think that's where I I relate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do see some of the social playing itself out as you're describing that. And we would call it the sequence or the way that the aspects of the dominant type, and then there's aspects of a secondary type, and there will even be sometimes aspects of the third or maybe the neglected type. And depending upon the mixture of it, you'll have a different, you know, uh, expression from person to person. So for you, your attention does go to the the larger group as well. Like I would like to see a movement that changes, you know, the world, but maybe in that, while you're in that movement and in, in wanting to see things change on a larger scale, there's a sort of the sexual intensity between you and other people, particularly yeah. individuals. Yeah. Yeah. That, that happened. People felt loved on that cast. And that was easy and not draining for me to go one-on-one with individual cast members and just inspire them. So I guess that's kind of one-on-one. Maybe expand a little bit in all three of you on um, how this shows up, particularly in relationship, like your need to be strong in relationships with other people. I think that on the one hand, I have the belief that you're not too much for me. And on the other hand, I have the self-forgetting and thus not effective boundary making. But with relationships, I think the sexual instinct really wants to be unstoppable. And who I am is not unstoppable. So it actually is a big growth point for me because the sexual instinct sees risk even in relationship as a fun risk instead of a red flag. And that often, or historically, has put me in some interesting situations. (laughs) And it does make it difficult to actually create boundaries for myself and kind of have the filter of, okay, here's what all of my eight sexual energy is bringing to the table, but is that what I am bringing to the table too? So it's a lot of coming in real hot and then having to take a couple steps back and be like, okay, this is the energy. This is where it's coming from. This is why it exists. But does this need to be reined in a little bit because there's still like a person in there. It's not just an energy. I'm just going to read this. And it's something that I um, wrote down as I was kind of contemplating. And I think it's better than me trying to talk off of what I'm feeling right now. If I feel too emotional, I take a breath and dive to push through and not leave anyone see my weakness, let anyone see my weakness or vulnerability. My strength is my shield or was. Death has changed that. Although when someone's emotions have them, I am able to take it and hold it. I can extend out my armor and power it further. It's almost like the shield that I'm able to push further out. Mm. I saw that as my dad was dying, that I was able to, one, say, I'm trying not to run out of this room and lose it completely and run away. But two, to literally suck it so far deep in that I was extending out my armor for my mom, for everyone else around me, so that time could stay still. And that we could go through the moment to moment to moment to writing my dad's eulogy, to writing all of those things so that my mom could completely lose it and I could hold her in, that I could do that. But I was being dishonest that I was losing my best friend too and that I was falling apart inside. And I think that what I just read is the only way I know how to express how my strength is with relationships. I can very much keep in front of me, like you were saying, Sarah, that I have to keep boundaries. I can go in so hot and so fast that I push very deep past a boundary. However, as I've gotten older, I'm constantly restraining back and trying to hold that in and trying to then, my problem is I'm holding the boundary, 
but there's times I'm like, okay, am I in or am I, you know, which lever am I doing? Hmm. I relate to the intensity and the coming in hot, but I've had to, I almost never do that anymore because the results are so, I so rarely meet another who gets coming in hot. So there's so few people that can handle coming in hot that I, I don't know the last time I was able to do that with anybody at all, except another eight. So I relate to that in relationships, but I think at my best where people got me, like going back to that, example of starting comedy show that needed intensity. It needed strength. It needed a lot of energy. And I just had all of it because I love comedy and I love leading people toward a goal. If I like the goal, if I don't like the goal, screw it. Um, I'm not leading anybody, but I'm with you. um, Yeah. You hear me? (laughs) I was intense with that cast because I was, I got the comedians and actors and actresses are, they need to tap into intensity all the time. And we just, we loved it. Like it was a party all the time because it was like, you got to get the audience into a party. So we're going to party. We're not putting on a front. We're all just party. We're all making laughter happen. So I think I relate to the intensity. I can be overly intense if, uh, if I'm not dialing back, like always, I think I was also heard people talking about um, having to dial back. I, I relate to that. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll we'll press in a little bit into the features as we work through this. There's, uh, you know, the the aspects of the sexual instinct is think about also like, you know, you've got the broadcasting of the charm for a lot of other eights who are not sexual instinct dominant, unless it's their close second, there's less use of the charisma. There's less use of that charm and, and seduction. Um, it's more of like, straight to the point let's get things done and that doesn't mean that all that if you don't use this that you're not a sexual dominant because we're talking about this as do you have the majority and that's kind of the way we think of the dominant instinct is do you have the majority of those aspects within you and you might not have one of them so if you don't feel free to say so but how does charm charisma seduction play out through the eight for you Go ahead, admit it, say it. It's okay. <laughs> this is like asking me, how's my heart today? I'm, I'm, <laughs> right. I'm not trying to seduce. I'm just trying to be real, constantly raw and real. And that may end up being seductive. I think about some of my dating relationships. Sometimes I'm so intense, I'm attractive. Um, mm-hmm. And I know who can handle it. So I've ended up dating there's like a 10 year period there before I found my wife where I think a lot of things went well in my dating life. I don't have a lot of drama stories, um, but I was really selective and I could tell, okay, this girl can handle me. In fact, she might be a threat. She seems attracted to my intensity. Very important to me being the very rawly me and open book when she meet me. And I don't like secrets. I don't like other people who are holding their card. And maybe that's attractive. I guess that's why that's why I was quiet. I, I'm trying to figure out where that connection is. Well, there's a different way of understanding. I think when we think of seductive, we think of it in maybe not the most realistic ways. Yeah, this is when I referred to, you know, the uh, the birds of paradise, and it's just kind of like this pulling in. And we can do that in a lot of different ways. So it depends on what our skill set is. Some people do it through attraction. Some people it's through energetic. But it's the capacity to draw in towards yourself, to draw someone in or draw something out of them towards you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I relate to a lot of what Israel just said, because to me, I am just me, obviously, like whoever I am is the normal for everybody. Right. Um, (laughs) But how I interact with people and how I talk with them and joke around with them like 99% of the time gets taken as me flirting with them. And then they start like riffing back to me or flirting back to me. And I just think that we're having a grand old time, like riffing on each other and like just going. And then it gets to a point where I'm like, oh God, oh God, I missed all of these signs that were like Mm. an hour back. And now we're at this place that I did not think that we were at. And how do I like get back from here? You know, like to me, it's just oh, fun conversation. We're just doing whatever. And to everybody else, it's like, oh, she's interested. Oh, she's like really intense. Oh, like all of this is happening. And I'm like, oh, none of those things are true. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, 
So it's it's mm-hmm. interesting because I most of the time do it very subconsciously. And it's just kind of like me being me showing up. You know, like last night I'm trying to switch my mobile provider and I know this is a riveting story already. Um, and <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> no, like, I'm trying to switch my mobile provider and there's like issues with a SIM card and then like getting the transfer password or PIN number. So I call the provider and, you know, like we just like start riffing and like talking about music and like all of these random things. And we like have this friendship going. And then he says some things about like, oh man, like you've got my attention. I'm like, oh God, that's not what I meant to do. (laughs) I just was having a fun conversation with you and stuff like that that happens all the time. Just because I'm like, oh, hey, here's this other person on the line. And we happen to be doing this other thing. The thing will get accomplished, but I really want to like have fun with this. And I hope they do too. So yeah. I've had that happen a lot for me that I've realized, oh, didn't know that's where we were headed. You know, I've had a male coworker in my past that thought we were going to hook up out in the parking lot and I didn't show up and they were angry. And I, they came up to me, wow. we, we made a deal. And I'm like, what? Huh? what are you talking about? Like, had no idea. I thought we'd had this fun, we're back and forth, all is well. And then all of a sudden they're angry because I didn't show up. And I'm like, I had no idea, dude. I'm not interested. I'm not there. Because he had been someone that I just could not connect with. And I thought we had finally, like, connected. And I was, like, actually telling someone else, we finally, I got through. We're going to be great pals now. And they're going to have my back. And I'm going to be able to have theirs. No, it was going totally another way that I had no idea. So, I, I, yeah, I relate to that. Big time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's been, yeah. So true. <laughs> I mean, it's put me like, I've had to out myself when I didn't want to. You know, I've been like, mm, we're not, I'm not on that team. I'm glad, but no, I'm not even interested. <laughs> I was at a very conservative church. We were doing a play deal and this guy changed up with us and I couldn't figure out why. And my best friend later told me like a month or two later, they're like, uh, and I was engaged to my ex-husband and they were like, oh yeah, they thought you were hitting on him the whole time. And I was like, what? And she had to explain to me. She was like, yeah, you kept putting your hand on his knee. I was like, huh? I was just acting. And it's take it again, realizing that I was a sexual eight and realizing that energy. I was like, oh, well, had I known, I would have been able to interact and express that to him better, or maybe even read the room. I may have been able to read the room. I don't know, but it wasn't even on my little radar. Mm. Yeah, we've heard this even from other sexual subtypes, where it's like I was having a great exchange, and they thought this exchange meant you know fill in the blank future, or either a couple, or we're going to be greatest friends, even, or we're going to hook up, or whatever it is. But the exchange of sizzle was actually what they were looking for. And then they hit that point where they realize, oh, this person thinks this means X. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this happens in terms of friendships as well, where you'll have a wonderful connection with somebody and it isn't romantic. It's just a friendship. And then there's expectations that this friendship means this, that may not have been the intention that you were communicating, you know, that with, it was this moment. This moment is a wonderful moment. We're having a great conversation. doesn't mean that we're going to be best friends forever or that we're going to be, you know, always talking to each other to this level. So that can also be one of the effects of that. Yeah. Yeah. I've had it happen opposite for me where I thought we'd had this intimate moment of friendship that, Hey, we have connected. We exchanged this energy and I've realized I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm making this friend and it's so far off the other way that they want nothing. You know, I'm just too much for them. Yeah. And in my mind, I read it as we've had this intimate connection. I am making a new friend. Yeah, sure. 
It works both ways. Absolutely. One other question about that is related to the um, the need to protect oneself. So the issue of vulnerability with eights being one of the difficult steps for eights to take to become more open, more vulnerable. Um, talk about how that shows up uh, through the the sexual energy. I'm actually kind of the opposite about connecting too deeply because I need control and I need to be strong and sex can really make me very vulnerable. I'm not a touchy person except with really, really deep close friends. So I won't, I don't think I've ever been mistaken for being interested in someone and then having to say, no, I'm not interested because for me, that sensuality and attraction is hemmed in really heavily. I probably have it and I certainly am married. So I turned it on when it was time, but I'm really careful in, about the vulnerability of physical touch, about being too deep with people because it hurts me when I find out. Honestly, the truth is it's, it hurts really bad when someone doesn't want to be verbally intimate. If I tell you too much, I really want to hear back some vulnerability from you. And so on the job, I probably is a good example just rarely talk to anybody but about anything but the weather because I'm especially guarded about giving away too much at work. I mean, it's like if they're listening to Arctic Growth, then we probably have something in yeah. common we could talk. Um, yeah, and I would say that vulnerability for me is, again, kind of a duality because I think in me, the sexual instinct kind of counteracts the denial of vulnerability, at least a lot of the work that I've done in like therapy and in emotional awareness and everything has definitely helped that as well. But emotions and being vulnerable now seem kind of like a risk, which the evolutionary energy of the sexual instinct kind of like draws upon. So I get into a moment that I'm feeling emotional or vulnerable and wanting to express that. And I do have the kind of like eight, like, oh God, this isn't okay. But then the sexual instinct kind of pushes me to still be vulnerable and actually encourages that instead of muting it. But on the other side of the coin, the charisma is a very effective shield to hide behind. And it really helps me not have to feel vulnerable in a lot of situations because I can, you know, talk in a very charismatic way or flip conversations to be about the other person and feed on the like fusion and immersion side of the sexual instinct. So it then becomes about the other person and about the other person's vulnerability rather than me actually having to participate in the vulnerability in a way. So it's kind of a duality that happens depending on the situation and like how I am, but they both definitely exist. Yeah, you can hear that push and pull in there. That's really helpful. Yeah. I can see how those would actually feel like they create tension uh, within, yeah. you know, the type and the instinct. It's like, I want to be safe and I want to connect, but the connect could be a risk. And so I want to be kind of safe and in control, like both in what you said yeah. and Israel said, I can feel that push and pull in there. I think that's really helpful to understand. Yeah, yeah. it feels like I'm constantly weighing things mm. with interactions all the time. But I even heard that in what you were saying, Israel, earlier. It's like, I think when you're talking about this struggle to, you know, your guardedness and like, you know, I don't reach out and touch people. I don't do that. I kind of, I can feel the guardedness there because of perhaps past experiences that confirmed to you this was not safe to do that. And so then there's a compression on the sexual energy. You know, you and I have talked a lot over the past number of months and I feel that intensity and that openness and that like you just go in and you open up, but there's a measure where you're like, I trust you, Joel, to, you know, and that's why I'm doing this. But like, <laughs> I might not do this with other, I'm not going to do this with other people. But I want to, yeah, yeah. I, I want to, I can I love feel. talk to you yeah. because I can't do this with almost anybody. At least I'm convinced I can. There is a push pull there. I kind of had to talk it out to even realize like, I want a friend at work, for instance. So I'm always wondering, is there an opportunity that that could be safe? Because I like to change the world. like, But I'm always holding back the things I want to say because it's not appropriate. Or maybe it's scary. Uh, I want to stay in control. And if I 
if I got to know somebody at work, I might expect to have a friendship and then be hurt that somebody wasn't reciprocating enough. Like I have had a couple really cool conversations with people, but like the job stress just kind of makes me go, I don't want to do that anymore because I can't come to work and actually have what I had with the cast members, for instance, like it was one of I keep thinking about that when I read your questions. Cause I was like, Oh, that's a great example of when I was at my best sexually. Well, know, so that's an intense situation. So it's, it has that more of that real intensity and the intensity is welcome because mm-hmm. even when you're talking about friendship and stuff like that, like, I don't know about doing this at work because if you leaned a little more social, it's like, well, everybody here is my friend and we have this thing and everything's cool. Like, wide thing, but it's like, you're putting an intensity level on friendship that others might not. Yes. True. And I want it reciprocated and I want it in a certain, yeah, we're hearing the instinct there. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm kind of learning it as I talk about it. Maybe this is why social kind of clicks for me is it's not wide enough a net. It's a little too one-on-one. So I'll engage in that pull back and then push you into a bigger crowd because I want to create a movement. And that's where marketing has always been a, a strength of mine and a passion is I need to, I need to connect with people one-on-one when they do the larger vision, like starting a comedy show. So I clicked with a bunch of people one-on-one. I got a lot of people around me and maybe I used charisma because it was easy at that point because I was like, you like comedy. I like comedy. Come meet my six friends and let's do this. And so I, I'm not, maybe a stereotypical sexual because I'm not engaging one-on-one for its own enjoyment. I want to pull it back into a large group and then we all go right on our horses and take a city. You know, I'm just like, I'm like, let's do this. Yeah. That's using the social uh, in order to serve the sexual actually. So uh, that's what's actually happening yeah, If I could huh. I want to push a little bit, one last thing, Israel, it's for you to consider how much of the setting up of the social sphere for you, like let's do some social movement has been about because of the real deep desire to have that connection with another person or with a series of other people. So talk to me about which one is the second for you, the neutral and how do you use it? My second or my neutral instinct is the social instinct. And again, back when I was working in live events, I was a stage manager and I think it really helped me because I was creating teams and managing teams and managing a whole lot of different schedules in one day, in one gig. And my sexual and social instincts kind of work together, but my social in particular, it helped me like scan the room, especially because I was meeting new teams, like new tours were coming in every day, you know, and I could scan their energies, their facial expressions, their general mood kind of how they were walking in the room, right? And base how I introduced myself on that. And also with the crews that I would bring in as like stagehands, that's where the sexual instinct came in because I really wanted to have a really personal approach to things. And so I would tell them like, hey, wherever you're at today, do your best. Your best might not be 100%. And it might be 60% of what you could do tomorrow. But like wherever you are, that's where you are today and that's okay. And we will find a place for you. And that's where the social comes in. Cause it's like, whatever you are in this moment is okay. And we will find something that is helpful and that is valuable and that is important and necessary for this gig to go successfully. Um, so I could scan and read how people were, but then the like sexual instinct would kind of take it a step farther and see the emotions behind it. So I could have even more like sensitivity to what was going on and then help find the right place for them and connect people and kind of keep everything rolling along. How about you, Julie or Israel? Mine, I've been convinced that my neutral is social, but the more I keep diving, I'm starting to realize that my neutral is (laughs) self-preservation. And I don't know why that's so hard for me to say, but it is. I'm realizing that as I listen to other sexual eights and listen to them, I literally have to make myself not think, oh, this is so hard to say. 
I have to literally stop myself from not completely and utterly thinking about myself. And that is hard to say. And that's not coming from a selfish thing, but I am thinking about the protection of my energy. I'm thinking about the protection of my vulnerability and making sure I'm safe and comfortable. And that if I'm not fully into my sexual energy, that that neutral is my self-pres. I think I'm seeing it more as I'm dealing and grieving that that's what I've been doing. Yeah. That I have put myself in neutral to protect myself and the emotions. But even on my best, that's what I've been doing. That when I walk into a room and that's what's been my rub with work relationships and with other things, it's been that I will power through because I am going to protect myself. Mm. Is that underlying the next underlying thing? which I hate. I hate to actually say that out loud because the vulnerability that that allows mm-hmm. that um, my favorite superhero is Wonder Woman and I will be her. I can deflect any and all. Mm. But in my deepest soul, I know, um, I shared with Joel, I keep coming back to a one-liner that says, I found a few weeks back, they say, uh, that sexual aids like to have power over people and situations. If I am honest, I do not like that, but I also do. I really like having control over people and my neutral, that self-pres is going to come in there because I have to protect the control I can have over people for me to be safe. And that sounds ugly and awful to say, but it's true. But as Israel has said, it is because I want to make an impact into this world. I want to change this world. Beautiful, Julie. I really appreciate you sharing that because that is, I think, incredibly honest and vulnerable and um, people will you know, benefit from it because it makes a lot of sense, but ultimately it is never a fulfilling goal to be about us. And so we're always going to turn that and convert that into energy of impact. That's going to be core to the eight is wanting to empower and impact others. But um, the method through which that is accomplished, the way you just described it makes a ton of sense. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. So thank you so much, Julie. Let's pivot now to the neglected instinct and talk about that for a moment. Which one is it for you? And what problems has it caused you? And how have you grown through it? My neglected instinct is self-preservation, and it has caused problems for me historically quite a bit, but I've also found ways to integrate it and start kind of leveraging it and bringing it back into the picture. Um, before, I I had mentioned that boundaries are actually difficult for me to create, and that is also because my self-pres is so low that I don't really pay attention to what I need but having self-pressed so low also has meant that I have historically just been a workaholic and worked until I redlined my whole body and it would literally shut down and incapacitate me. And I would be down for the count for three days to a couple weeks. And even like working out and going to the gym, I would always push so like too hard and then I would get injured. And again, I would be down for the count and incapacitated for you know, a couple of days or couple of weeks. And I think that on a more personal note, I have kind of been in survival mode for the majority of my life. And during that time, everything was temporary. So actions today didn't affect tomorrow because who knew if tomorrow even existed? Like my money living situation, it was always like live life in a way that I can pack up my Camry in 30 minutes and leave and I'll have everything that I need and I'll, it'll just be me and I'll go. And there was no permanence to anything. And I think that self-preservation kind of brings in that energy of permanence and kind of setting yourself up for success in the future and the now. Whereas I just didn't have almost any of that. And I think that having that energy would have put me in a much different place 
during that whole chapter of being in survival mode. And nothing was really like homey because it was all temporary. So I was just kind of like churn and burning myself and all my like living situations, like friendships, money. I was just like, right now, this is what's going on. This is it. And that's the only time that it affects. It doesn't affect an hour from now. It doesn't affect tomorrow. And so that's how it's kind of caused issues for me. But recently, you know, with COVID hitting and losing my career and not knowing how like unemployment was going to work out, I really had to budget money for the first time that it actually really mattered because I didn't know when work would come back. I didn't know what my bills were going to be like. I thankfully was living at my dad, so I didn't have rent on top of that, but it was still a total shutdown of like, okay, this is how I become financially stable. So I survived this. And that was really good. Honestly, I was surprised at how freeing that felt to know exactly what I was looking at and like how much I had to spend and how much I could spend and still be comfortable and what I could like treat myself to occasionally. Um, And more recently, like one of the self-preservational energies is kind of paying attention to your own body and your own well-being. And I've had to kind of hack this a little bit, but I... And I'm going to sound insane, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm okay to sound insane. I literally like talk to my body as if it's another person, like if it's a friend. And so if I wake up sure. and I'm feeling like total shit, I'll be yeah. like, oh man, I'm so sorry that you feel like shit today. Like what's going on? Did you sleep okay? Where is this coming from? Like, how can I help you? Like hmm. what, what does this day need to look like for you to be able to make it? your own body. (laughs) Um, And that has kind of been a game changer. Great hack, actually, because that's the way um, we have to do that with the parts or different aspects of who we are. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, if we're neglecting our, our heart, <laughs> you know, and yeah. we're very head or body oriented, you sort of have to talk to it. Like it's totally like, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's not crazy. That's actually just a good transformational habit. Like that other people should take from this episode and use for themselves. Yeah, that's cool. So you're basically my clone. You were, I was on the eight panel with you and eight wing seven and sexual social and then last place self-pres. So I really relate to what you're saying in that I, like you push my body to its limit and end up, I've had a couple surgeries because of it. I'm, I'm just ignoring it and just getting things done in the gym or, or wherever. And I think to make self-pres the last place might make me an extreme body type in that I'm very pro-risk and I'm not looking at preserving myself. I've had three startup companies. I love risk. I, like you, I didn't get married till later than some people at 36. So I did tons of travel. I've been to like four continents and I was like you, I grabbed my camera and go and had most longest I was ever at one job in 20 years is uh, three years after I found my fiance, my, my girlfriend's fiance, now wife, like that grounded me for the first time <laughs> in my life. And that's still the record. I'm coming up on three to match it soon, but I just relish risk and I don't do self-preservation much. It's boring. It can wreck a day if I do that too much, probably exactly what I need uh, because I, I had to learn it by having standing up in surgery. <laughs> you know, I'm not jumping off buildings, but I'm pushing things that are trying to tell me I'm done and I'm not listening. I'm not very self-preservational on being opinionated. I think in some ways I would love to be like a, some kind of a talking head but with opinions because I have plenty. You're funny, Israel. I mean, you got everybody laughing here because I'm guessing, Sarah and Julie, you're both like uh, relating quite a bit. You've hit a lot on that sexual energy, like that adventure, risk, so thrill-seeking, needing that, like that's such the sexual energy for the eight. Uh, okay. Like speaking up. So sexual eights yeah. are oftentimes called the most rebellious of the eights. Like the, the mm-hmm. like a, there's a lot of againstness and it comes yeah. out. And so you're nailing it. Uh, those are very, very strong within the sexual eight. So yeah, that's very funny too. That like that, you get yourself into trouble and you say things, and then you know this need for being open too. Like you're, you want to be open. You want to be like, this is. I want 
to have no secrets. I want you to, to know right. me. Right. Uh, so yeah, that's a, that's really good. Oh, oh, Israel, if you only knew, <laughs> like <laughs> I literally, <laughs> I, I do. Um, oh, nice, I, nice. I have my people I knew in high school and my conservative Christian college account. Yep. It was also, we used to call it my straight account. And then there's my liberal, no holes bar, the whole thing. Yeah. Account. I and, <laughs> yeah. But I will say I had to come to an honest realization about that is that I was using it to vomit my energy and the need to feel heard. Sure. Because I feel like I feel like I'm constantly not feeling heard. My wife for Valentine's Day got me a um I'm speaking necklace for many reasons, but one of them is is because I'm constantly feeling like I'm not being heard because I feel as a female eight, we are pushed aside in our energy because it, and this might be part of the sexual energy that we're pushing that energy that comes to so many people as male, that we are offensive. We are these things. We don't want to hear you or we're not just going to hear you. But I had to, I've taken myself off of social media now for three months to reconnect myself because I was just going nuts. And I realized I was letting my energy go crazy. And Mm -hmm. so I've gone off completely. And I'm starting to realize a lot of things about myself. But on neglecting that social energy for me, for me, it's going back to the Facebook thing. I don't care what relationship I destroy. If I am right, I am right. And I am going to be right to... I will burn that bridge and I will never look back. Goodbye. (laughs) You should have been on the right side. And this year, I think, has been a perfect storm for a personality like me. That I have been able to literally, I don't care what side you stand on these things matter Mm -hmm. and I am going to stand hard on them. And I have lost relationships. Mm -hmm. And in some forms I've had to pretend another thing I'm saying out loud. I can't believe I've had to pretend it's okay, but deep, deep, deep. It's not. Mm -hmm. I miss that. I miss certain relationships. And there is a hard thing that I have to either accept or change. And who knows where my journey will go mm-hmm. of, do I reach out and heal it? Do I let those mm-hmm. relationships be? Mm-hmm. But also I want to have friendships in my life. I have it with my wife. I have it with my family, which has been a hard fought thing. And I am proud of that relationships that I have now with my mom and my sister and my brother. But I also want something outside of that. If you ask me how many friends I have, I probably only have about two. Others are very, um, not acquaintance, but friends, but not deep. They're not Mm. what I enjoy. I have a friend that's a four and I realized listening to y'all's podcast, I was like, that's why we get along so well because we can get into that emotional space and my energy and my emotions are good for her. They fit. So I realized that's why I have that. And then I have my other friend that we've been friends for years, probably over 20 years that we won't talk for at least a year. Sometimes we'll go two, and then I will contact him or he'll contact me, you know, and we're good. But I really would like more. But when I'm honest, I have to say that my pushing and protection is keeping that relationship. And that's why I'm burping that baby and saying my social is that bottom. It's down there. And I remember Jim and Joel trying to get me there not so long ago. And I'm like, I don't know what y'all are talking about. You're weird. And walking away. But I've been so glad because I mean, there have been things that y'all have said when um, in one of the groups that I was in with y'all that stick with me to this day that I wake up in the morning and I'm asking those questions. But I'm also 
Sarah, I'm also talking to my body. It's funny that you said that because I'm like, oh, I do that. You know, saying those things. Lately, I've been apologizing to my body. I'm sorry that I've let my grief, because I was the hardcore, I was doing spin boot camp back to back. I wouldn't get home for two hours because I was working out. When my dad got sick, that stopped. When my I lost my dad, it stopped. And now I'm to the point of realizing I've overeaten, I've gained weight, and now I'm apologizing to my body. I'm sorry. Mm. I'm sorry that I pushed you so hard, that I took you to this healthy spot that I kept saying, we can do more, we can do this. But I'm now sorry that I'm overeating. I'm not drinking I'm overeating because that emotion's too much. And I'm so, so sorry. Mm. So I, it's funny that you said that because that's something I had, I've been doing yes. for a long time as well, that I had that conversation and some of it got pushed further with Joel and Jim and now with Joel dealing with that and yeah. having still having that conversation. Absolutely beautiful. Mm. Just to piggyback on that is I've also found myself saying, man, I'm sorry I put you through this. Like, I'm sorry mm. that I, that I did this to you, you know, that I made you deal with this. And I've also found times where all hell will feel like it's breaking loose and my body will feel like total garbage. And at the end of it, I'll be like, thank you for getting us through that. Thank you for surviving. Thank you for telling me like what you were trying to tell me. It did not feel good, but thank you for getting us through that because you it's like body you're a survivor like there's no reason that you should have been able to do that there's no reason that you were like expected to survive that to get through it to like keep moving even if it's just like getting out of bed in the morning it's like wow thank you for letting this day happen when you didn't really have to Mm -hmm. and when that was a lot to ask yeah uh one of the things that Uh, we learned in the last group was inviting grace in as you're looking into your different subtypes and your wings. And I've been inviting that into my body and saying, I invite that grace in to you as well. Mm. And I give myself, but I give you grace as well, body for when I want to be angry with you because you failed me. I invite that grace as well. Mm. So it's been, that's been a part of the other conversation of in. I invite this, but I also invite you to tell me when I'm going too far and Mm. I'm going to try to listen and I invite grace in. Mm. What a perfect way to wrap this up. Mm. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so very much to each of you for sharing your heart, sharing your growth with us uh, in the transparent way that you did. Thank you so much for listening. You can find out more about us at www.theartofgrowth.org. That's the place to learn more about our comprehensive training and coaching programs for organizations around team health. And you can also reach out to us there about individual coaching as well. And there are many tools on the Art of Growth website to help you on your journey. We'd also encourage you to check out the main Art of Growth podcast. Grace and growth, my friends.